Hey, Bama fans, Matthew Gibson here from Blue Collar Unplugged. When you want to show that Alabama pride, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience. The best and largest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Nike Golf, Champion, Columbia, an amazing college vault of vintage and throwback logos, plus gifts and accessories. The best part? Alabama students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store, and you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass Rewards program. Alumni Hall, located in Midtown Village across from University Mall or anytime at alumnihall.com. Alumni Hall, where Crimson Tide fans shop. You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. The win. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Presented by Crimson Crossover. Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. That's two out of 26 in his last four games at home. Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. And what is next to Butler Field? Arby's. 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 So either A, Alabama basketball is forever... It, it, eminent, built eminent. on Arby's. It literally built on Arby's, the program. Or it's the first thing you see when you walk in. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, Blue Collar Unplugged, Season 2, Episode 12, as we are rapidly approaching the end of the season. Uh, I'm Blake Byler, joined as always by Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Um, and we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot of uh, fun games, uh, exciting games for once this season. Uh, Back-to-back close games. Um, We had Alabama get the win over South Carolina and then the win over Arkansas. Um, Before we get into everything, um, we do want to address the uh, Brandon Miller-Darius Miles situation that has come to light uh, more publicly this week. Uh, We just wanted to say that we're not going to be um, making takes on the situation. Uh, We're just going to be talking about uh, the basketball here on this uh, episode of the podcast. So um, to get right into it, let's start with South Carolina because that's what we saw um, first last week, an overtime game, um, a performance that was just brilliant from Miller with 41 points, um, had the game tying and the game winning layup. Uh, Jacob, I'll start with you. If you can trace your mind back to the South Carolina game on Wednesday, what what were some of the, the biggest things you saw and just some of the takeaways that you had? First, that game went like nothing like I thought it was going to. Like I, I you know, with the news coming out on Tuesday, I expected like a, maybe a little bit of a, a damper in play overall, um, but not like having to force overtime against South Carolina. Uh, one, they made a lot of shots. Like they just did. Like they they made a lot of like free three pointers, uh, long twos above their range that kept them in the game. Uh, they played like pretty good defense, and we shot the ball really poorly. Like besides Brandon Miller. Which was mm-hmm. enough, barely. Um, I I don't know. It was a very back and forth game. Like their crowd, small as it was, was into it. Uh, very very intense battle. Like I thought we played just not really great overall. Um, and I mean that, that's a game you have to have to win to win the title and win the regular season. Um, so it was a good way to finish and fight through it. But shooting what was it outside of Brandon Miller? Um, the math here. Was, I think only Sears was the yeah, only yeah, other Sears one to make a three. One of 14 mm-hmm. outside of Brandon Miller. I mean, that's just, it's not, it, it worked then, but it's not going to work compounded with everything else. But, you know, got in and got out with the win regardless. Uh, 
you need those types of games during a season to become the team who you are. I mean, every single game, every single team we've seen this year that stayed at the top has had a win like that or something similar where they've had to really grind it out. So our guys did it. Yeah. Yeah, and then for me, I, I, I was really impressed with Alabama's performance on the glass. Um, 40 total rebounds. They outrated rebounded South Carolina by 13. Um, Charles Bidiaco was really impressive. Uh, 10 points. I think he had nine rebounds, four for four from the field. Did he foul out line. in that game? Or um, I, let's he see. fouled out Saturday, right? Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Wait, no, for South Carolina? No. How he had three fouls. He had oh, three. wow. So he did not foul. He played well. Charles I Bidiaco remember writing well. about him in, I think, a story I wrote, I wrote about him. Yeah. But he was good. Charles played well. I thought he defended the interior pretty well, along with Noah Cloudy, who, Noah Cloudy had a bit of a roughish game, but. Still he in was his, in his home. Co- yeah, he was in foul Kernbel the whole game. I think he had. Let's see, he had four yeah. fouls. Um, you know, it, Bama played well. Like, well, they didn't play well actually. <laughs> but um, again, coming off of all the adversity of the week, and for Brandon Miller to have performance, he had forty-one points. I mean, that's it's really unprecedented what they had to go through and no, it to is. come out and still beat South Carolina when South Carolina was hitting a variety of like wild shots. Honestly, I mean, Michi Johnson hit. Some, some of their most ridiculous shots who we'll see all year. Almost at the dagger, um, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and D.J. Jackson played really well for South Carolina. Jackson's so to good. come out there and still win in a ruckus environment on the road, I think it was pretty impressive from Bama's standpoint. Yeah, I think Seth Greenberg was, like, talking about this during the game, and it's almost like he was, like, talking it into existence, like, the, the upset almost. And, like, mm-hmm. commentators do that. Like, that whenever you have, like, a huge underdog and they're hitting shots and it, like, it felt like, like, the stars were aligning for a massive upset because you had the the news the day before, and then you have Michi Johnson pulling thirty footers with ease going in, and then you have him hitting the half court shot at the end of the half for South Carolina to go up by four, and so you just look at that and you're like, everything is setting up for Alabama to lose this game. Like they're they're shooting poorly. Um, everybody outside of Bediaco and Miller looked terrible, and then in the second half, Miller just explodes and he already had a good first half um and then the second half he just goes he just goes entirely like superhuman puts up 41 um they can't stop him from pulling he's like sidestepping pulling up threes he's shot faking getting downhill finishing at the rim he had that (coughs) monstrous dunk at the start of the game um once he settled in so just just everything that he was able to do was really impressive. Oates talked about how after the game how basketball can be like an escape for some of these guys, and I think we we saw that for Miller especially, just the way that he was able to um, just like block out outside situations and just focus on the game. And honestly, like it even like his level of focus heightened his play. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, and I mean, on the court, you could tell that was the most animated he's been all year, whether it be in the huddle or on the court after making a big play. He was very animated that mm-hmm. entire game, so I, I think that absolutely go. motivated him a little bit. So I've never seen him talk to a student, another student section like that, too. Like, I, I think that's one of the closest in the SEC to the court, I'd have to imagine. It looks like it, Like, yeah. uh, they're right there. Like, there's no courtside seats on that side, or at least no one was in them. Uh, yeah, like you were saying, like, he was... So, like, using it as an escape, bringing that energy to the court, uh, and it just lights out. I mean, like, unreal. Like, he, he's just opened up between the last two games, like, another side of his play. Like, he's shown as exemplary. Not just, like, it works. Like, it is top tier. Mm-hmm. Like, his ability to beat good defenders off the dribble. 
Like it, and we'll talk about it for the Arkansas game. Like he was beating good defenders in the South Carolina game and like cooking them in the middle and like not freaking out and yeah. throwing up a shot at the rim. I mean, obviously, one of the bigger criticisms people had of Brandon Miller all year was that he couldn't finish, and now yeah. he's finishing at an absurdly high clip um, at the rim. So I mean, that's he's continuing to improve as one of the best players in the country, which is scary heading into March. Yeah, uh, having another side of your game like that, because then, like you know, I think probably the Arkansas game, the first one, is a good example of this. Of like, I, they were able to kind of really sag, like not sag off of him, but press him because mm-hmm. like they weren't too concerned about him blowing by, like on a dribble and getting to the rim. But now, like he beat them the other way yesterday and has shown that he's <laughs> really capable of doing just about everything on the basketball court. And with that. South Carolina game, like, nobody else was playing well. Like, nobody. Clowney was in foul trouble, even though he wasn't particularly playing poorly. Sears was just 3 of 7 from the floor. Bradley was pretty bad. Like, Griffin wasn't... Griffin hasn't played well since the Auburn game, it feels like. Quinterly was fine, but not doing much. Burnett couldn't hit a shot, so... Nobody was doing anything except Miller, and that was all that Alabama had, and that, that's all it needed. Yeah. But the, the importance of that game, too, for in terms of the SEC regular season title race um, were massive. 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 Because if Alabama drops that game to South Carolina, all of a sudden they're tied with Texas A&M, not counting this past. Like, they're tied going into this past weekend. Yeah. And so that just leaves even more uncertainty about that trip to College Station, um, about your own team not being able to overcome that win and just the fact that, like, you went in and all this stuff happened during the week and then you lose a game to a team that you're much better than uh, on the road in a game that you're supposed to win, you were favored by 17 points. Like, what that does to the team's psyche going into March. Because you hear all the time when you're talking about college basketball, you want to be playing your best basketball going into March. And so losing to South Carolina is not playing your best basketball. And for for them to be able to go into that environment where the arena wasn't packed, but it was a lot of people that were very hostile, to be able to deal with all the adversity and have a lot of people not play well and still be able to overcome that and get a big win in overtime speaks volumes about the mental toughness of this team and like just the toughness they have in these environments which we've seen over and over again we saw it in um the houston game on the road we saw it in the auburn game on the road we saw it in four overtimes against north carolina like this team has blown a lot of teams out but at the same time whenever it's been close this team continues to find ways to win with really the only exception to that being tennessee was like the only time that they were like really stuck in a close game and they just couldn't pull it out and they had a chance to. Yeah. Um so really really impressive. Um there's not a ton to talk about regarding the South Carolina game other than Miller's insane and yeah. that game was really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's about all I have with that game. Yeah. Um unless y'all have something else. I mean, there was a fight in the stands that was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, there was. There was. A fight, there was a fight in the I forgot about that. Yep. That was crazy. Was it an Alabama fan? I'm pretty sure it was an Alabama fan <laughs> drawing with some of their student section that yeah. ended up mm. getting tossed. Yeah, so. understandable. Respect. To, yeah, you gotta. 
you can't do that. Um, but then this Saturday, uh, hosted the piggies, the piggies, uh, the hogs. Arkansas comes into town and looks like the better team for twenty minutes. Has Alabama on the ropes. Alabama can't do anything offensively. 28 points in the first half is Alabama's lowest since the Houston game. Um, Arkansas puts up 37. Alabama's just in chains offensively, can't do anything, looks out of sort, out of rhythm. Um, And then a switch flips in the second half. Alabama comes back, gets the win by three. It, It wasn't really that, well, it was that close, but it shouldn't have been. Another weird, like, let's see. Let's look at the exact, like, differential. I think we were up by, like, 12 at some point in between the under 8 and the under 4. Uh, <coughs> okay, yeah, so here's where it it began. We're up 62 to 53 at 7-minute mark. And then they went on a quick, well, actually quick. No, we were up 70 to 61 at the under 4. And then 75-63. They chipped away a little bit. Um because Bama had it at 12. And so Arkansas chipped away a little bit and got it down to like, I think they got it, or I think they had it at 10 and then they went on a quick 5 0. Because they had they hit the corner three and then uh, Nick Smith got a steal and a run out dunk mm-hmm. on just like a lazy pass. Or, or no, maybe it was a lazy pass. It was something lazy at the top of the key. Yeah. Um, and Al, or Smith took that. Um, and made it a five-point game. But over the course of that game, again, Miller was great, but JQ was so needed. Awesome. Like, hit. Best game he's had all year. Easily. And I don't even think it's close. No. As far as importance, like stage and mm-hmm. stat line, the best performance I've seen from JQ, like the best this... I've seen in two years, like since the SEC tournament of 2021. I don't think we've seen Javon Quinterly be as fast as he was then, yes. like versus Arkansas. He yes. looked very quick off of the dribble. He was blowing by people yeah. at ease, which that has just hasn't happened. For it feels like it's a confidence thing with him mm-hmm. because, yeah. like, obviously he had to get comfortable with his knees under him after the the ACL surgery. Um, but then we talked during some early games, and we we're like, he just doesn't have that burst. That he had, because that's what made him so dangerous was the first step, first step. and the quickness yeah. and the burst that he had, being able to get downhill and get to the rim. But we we saw a lot of that, and I, I think some of it comes too with his he's deferred a lot to his passing uh, this season, and understandably so because I think he's really embraced that role of the veteran point guard that comes in and he distributes. Like he hasn't looked to score a whole lot, mm-hmm. but at the beginning of the game, much of the season he's been going up with that little drives left and just like goes up with just his left hand and has been getting blocked a lot. And I think I mentioned this to you during the game, but he, against Arkansas, he went up for it the first time and tucked it underneath and finished the reverse layup on the right side. And from there, he did it like two more times. And so once he had the confidence that he could get downhill and that he could finish, once he sees it a couple times, he just kept doing it. And he kept cooking whoever was in front of him. Yeah. And on top of that, he dished out seven assists in the second half. Which could have easily been a double-double for him if Alabama made <coughs> just a quarter of what they normally make. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Some of his passes are just so, like, the touch that he has on lobs to Pringle 
are great. So good. He's perfect at the little pick and roll, um, like bounce pocket pass to yeah. Clowney. Yeah. He hit that on the first play out of halftime, I think. Uh, and then he had a couple passes too where he just one hand ripped the ball across like a skip pass across yeah. the court to a wide open shooter. Obviously didn't go in. Yeah. That wasn't happening no. on uh, on uh, Saturday. But just an incredible facilitating, distributing passing display from Quinterly. And he hasn't been – like his passing has improved so much this year compared to years past. And if he can be able to drive downhill and finish with the improved passing ability, it raises the ceiling so much more for this Alabama team. Definitely. I think we honestly – like the Tennessee game – he had, well, I think seven turnovers, so you're going to see a lot of, like, flack and, like, pushback on his play, which deserved this, like, seven turnovers is not good. But he also opened up the offense in a way where it wasn't previously. Like, he was finding those passes against a really good defense, and then he did it again. Like, that's, whenever you have, like, true, I mean, we've talked about this from the roster breakdown, like, four or five months ago. Like, each of these three point guards are so good and so different mm-hmm. that you have a different look coming at you each time. And what Quinterly brings to the table whenever he's on like he has been just raises the ceiling another bit against like top teams that Alabama can take yeah. and beat in a number of different ways. And the the way, like, it feels like with this trio of point guards, like, it, it's good that it's so deep because if one of them's having a bad game, the other two are there to step up. Yeah. Bradley was awful in the first half. Terrible. He was not good. Um, he... He played seven minutes, 0 for 3 from the field. He didn't have a turnover, but, like, uh, ball was sticking, wasn't working. Sears was okay for well, – he played 34 minutes, so Oates clearly trusted him to be in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't shoot well, hit all of his free throws. 9 for 10 from the free throw line is excellent. Um, but when Sears wasn't having a great offensive game scoring from the field, that's where Quinterly was there, and he was able to step in, yeah. which is – just great shows the depth of this team. Something uh, I also saw from Quinterly Saturday that I haven't <laughs> seen in a while was um, him going like super high off the glass, like over bigs on mm-hmm. some of those lands. Like I hadn't like the confidence to do that. I mean, and that's what it is: is like the ability to risk it and go that high up off the glass to make the layups. And he did it and made them. I, I think he was six of ten from two. Um, he has that right-handed finger roll yeah. that he brings up and like pops it right over the hands of the shot blocker. And I remember he used it against uh, Walker Kessler a lot last yeah. year, is is whenever I first noticed, like, how high he puts it. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It works. That's, I mean, he was unbelievable. Like, truly a, like you said. Difference maker. Yeah. Yeah. And he had some of those, like, the, the bounce passes to break, like, off the pick and roll that, like, Clowney dropped. Like, he probably dropped two of those. Yeah, he did that, handle the ball super well. Uh, which, he, he, I thought he still played well. I, mm-hmm. I thought he had a good game. But even more that to say, like, that assist number, if we make normal shots at a normal rate, be insanely high. Betty Aka was good again. Yes. He had 10 rebounds while – he had 10 rebounds in just 19 minutes. That's so efficient. Which is really impressive. He had six points. He finished a couple putbacks. He had a putback in the second half when Alabama was going on that 15-0 run to come back where Bediaco, I think Quinterly missed a shot at the rim, Mm. and Bediaco got the putback, got the layup, and I saw Oates, like, pump his fist, like, 
foot on the floor as they're getting back. And he was like, he was like yelling like, let's go Charles or something like that. Like animated. And I was like, I hadn't seen Oates get that hyped up for one player in a minute. So like that shows like even Oates is seeing how, like he sees how valuable Bediaco is to being on the floor. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, like it helps Alabama out so much. Yeah, I mean, Chuck's one of the better interior defenders in the SEC too. We talked about this. He should be... First team all SEC defense, I'd, I'd imagine at this yeah, point. Yeah, he right. should be. So, SEC all defense for sure. Yeah, I think Evan Maya um, still has him as the third best. Uh, I don't know where he's at now, but I think last time I checked, he was third best interior defender in the country for however many minutes. But um, Chuck's been playing great. I mean, he, he's a when Chuck is playing well, he's a Bama's a better team. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's gotten really good at his ability to like contest shots straight up, but also jump. Yes. And not foul. And I was talking to you about this after the game. I think he's developed a bit of a reputation for it. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, like, that helps because officials are, I think, starting to give him the benefit of the doubt on it mm-hmm. instead of just calling it every time. Because usually if you leave your feet, it's a foul. Yeah. But he's gotten really good at contesting shots, leaving his feet, but not coming down on the offensive player and not fouling with it. Yeah. Um, which has led to a lot more blocks. How many? He only had one block against Arkansas, which kind of surprises me. Yeah, he. Um, let me get up the, the advanced ones. So defensively, um, he has. Let's see, where's his block rate? Thirteen point three block, like percentage block rate. Which is, I mean, it's. Pretty, I don't know if that's good or not. It's it's above average. Okay. Uh, like it is above positional average, which is great. Uh, also, his offensive rating was a one seventy. I don't know on a, on a scale of one hundred. So like, oh, it's like <laughs> point, <laughs> nice. Like points per possession. Like think of that, but mm-hmm. offensive rating. So, in this offensive rating is some point of like a team statistic as well, no doubt. Um, but a one sixty nine against Arkansas and a one ninety six against South Carolina. So wow, simply against South Carolina, Chuck was good for two points of possession. Keep him on the floor. You keep him on the floor. Stop fouling. Yeah. Stay on the floor. Yeah. Um, Pringle was good. Pringle was great. Um, against Arkansas. And I forgot. Was he good against South Carolina? I really can't remember. He only played. Um, he didn't play a ton of minutes that game. Um, let's see. Sorry. I thought he only. I thought he played less than ten. He played five. Yeah. He only played seven minutes against Arkansas and scored seven points. Played five minutes and scored three points. And that's all he needs to do. Is he needs to just. Play a couple minutes, maybe dunk the ball a couple times. Be a freak athlete. Get some rebounds. The, He's great at it. The putback falling away against Arkansas, where he was like, the it, yeah. <laughs> that was, I was like, all right. He yeah. loves to shimmy after he gets <laughs> he and ones, too. He does it like every time. He's the best. It's great. Oh. He brings great energy. Oh, yeah. And like we talked about this last week after the Georgia game, but like his energy, everyone feeds off of, too. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. He's. He's so fun. His, like, a dunk in an away crowd for him on a lob is, like, kills momentum. Yeah. And then at home, it just keeps the fire burning. Mm -hmm. Um, How about Dom Welch? Yes. I've been waiting on this one. Jacob's been ready for the Dom Welch game. I've been a Dom Welch apologist. (laughs) Like, no one looks better in warm-ups than Dom Welch. Every game. The trade deadline acquisition. (laughs) Yes. as, As Nate Oates put it. He had seven points on two of two from the field in seven minutes. And we were talking about this before we were recording, but that three he hit 
the sidestep, like the confidence that he pulled it with, it looked like any other shot. And I think he had been like, like his shots hadn't looked as confident. Like at the start of the year when he first came back from the calf injury, they looked hesitant. Mm -hmm. And this one caught it one dribble sidestep, he's pulling. And like it, you knew it was going in. Like it looked perfect. I, I almost wonder if there's some element of his confidence where like, to explain this like it only like it comes back to him whenever it's forced to so like in big games like he hasn't really played a lot of minutes for us because yeah. like he hasn't shown that he can take minutes from either Ryland Damari or like occasionally Brandon sometimes they'll swap but yesterday was an important <laughs> time where he needed to get the points and like needed to create like chances and he did like the one drive to the rim that got called a block uh, yeah he, he almost throws. finished the end one yeah, on. yeah that was so aggressive and good like he saw it and worked through it Saw the defenders. He looked comfortable. He looked so comfortable. Like, and if we can have that from Dom, like in the big games where like mm. we we've played our last like layup of the season. Like we, there are no more layups. There are no more layups. We have Auburn at home and go to A and M, and then it's tournaments. Yeah, there like, are no more layups. Like if unless you can somehow avoid Arkansas in the SEC tournament, which we're going to talk about later. But yes, yes. but I, having that from Dom, just that is. Amazing. It made me really happy to see. I know he was thrilled with it, and he should be because he played well. Uh, but for what that means for the team, that is just so exciting. That's the first time all season that he's looked like the Dom Welch um, that I watched on film, like from St. Bonaventure. Yeah. Like that's that's what he looked like at St. Bonaventure, and that's what Nate Oates thought he was getting when he recruited him from the portal, was a guy who will pull without hesitation – confidence in his shot and has the ability to drive um if needed and also plays good defense he played pretty good defense yeah um on top of that speaking of defense um nick smith had 24 <laughs> and devo davis had 21 devo davis if he's playing alabama he's good for 75 percent from three and i don't know what it is what does he shoot on the season it's certainly not that I've got to know what his three-point percentage is on the season. 34. 34? 34%, 41% from the field. That is way better than it was the first time. Because when they went to, when Bama went to Fayetteville, he was 17%. And he went, he made two shot, two threes against Bama in Fayetteville, I think. But then he goes three of four in this game, and they were, like, deep. It's like, yeah, they were. he's good, but, like, when he plays Alabama, he decides to turn into Steph Curry, I guess. Which seems to happen a lot with a lot of different players. Yeah. But. It does. Um, but then Anthony Black was horrendous all game, um, which is odd for a lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this at the game. When Anthony Black was on the court, <clears throat> Alabama was like, yes. Anthony Black's on the court. <laughs> yes. He was go in his own head, I think. Brandon, go at him. Because then literally, yeah. go buy him. It was ridiculous. Anthony Black could not defend a thing. No. Brandon's like... He was on the left wing, he drove right, and then once he got past him, he switched back to his left hand and finished on the left side. It was beautiful. I, I've seen that clip from so many draft accounts, like, loosely scouts. like sure? scouts, Like, they've been like, oh my gosh, he can do this now? Like, that, it, it was a confirmation of what we already knew, but... His yeah. improvement as an inside scorer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Nick Smith is a bucket. He's so good. He is really. We take back everything we said last week yes, about I, Nick Smith. We uh, we take it all back. We hadn't seen him do it yet. Now he has done it. Yeah, um, I, I I believe in him now. I, 
I hope he does well. I hope we never have to. He's do good, that. but we talked about this. We st- I still feel like Mark Sears and company still did a really good job with Nick Smith. Nick Smith was making a re- lot of really right. tough shots. His floater game was ridiculous. The touch oh on goodness. his floaters yes. are perfect. Really nice touch. It's it was, so nice. When like, he made that first one, I knew we were in for a day. With his length and how good he is, he should easily be a top-end pick. Like It'll be a top five pick. Well, I don't know not, not five because you have like the Thompson Body twins. Yeah, I forgot about the Thompson twins. You have Scoot and Wimby and Yana. So I mean, I, I, he's not gonna be top five. It's gonna be, be Wimby, 10, Scoot, and then three, four, five will be Miller, Thompson twins. Any order. So then Smith's probably gonna go six. Yeah. Yeah. Is he probably the next best college prospect outside of Miller? I'm not claiming to be a scout, I, but like kind on, of on name value, probably him or like Cam Whitmore. But like, should Wimby be number one? I think that's the question. We're not doing this right yeah, now. I mean, right now, after <laughs> talk to me in a year when he's falling apart. Okay, oh, we do ESPN after Miller. It would be Nick Smith, Jareth Walker, Whitmore, oh, and Keontae George. For, okay, Makes for sense. Freshman, yeah. yeah, and then Anthony Black at ten. Okay. Yeah, I, Anthony Black. I don't think I, I can't remember the first meeting. I don't know how well he played against us first time. Let me pull that up. I think he was decent. Um, I don't remember. Oh, no. He had five points on two for nine shooting, over three from three, and one of five. So Alabama five. owns Anthony Black. We do own Anthony Black. That, that pleases me. <laughs> uh, this draft board has Gigi Jackson at 21. Get him way up there. He's good. Get him way higher. Easily. Draft that kid. 15. Please uh, draft that kid. He's so good. I draft, I draft him before I draft I would, him. Okay, just based on this list, I draft Gigi ahead of Jet Howard, yes. Filipowski, Maxwell Lewis, Chris Murray, Hendricks. I don't, I don't know about I like I really like uh, Jalen Hood, Shafino. Um, Gigi's like eighteen. JHS, yeah, I, but Gigi's very easily like thirteen. He's so malleable. He's he's, he's, like, he's like no, I, I he's, he's eighteen years old. Is what yeah, I'm that's saying. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's like seventeen years old. Yeah, give, give me eighteen. Yeah, I take Gigi over. Uh, you take him over Grady Dick. Absolutely yes. I uh, that's tough. Do you take him over Anthony Black? I would take him over Anthony Black. I. I think Gigi Jackson's a top, potential. A, a top five freshman with considering potential. I I think Grady Dick's good. I, I think I'm going to need to see more from his game. Keontae George? Grady Dick just, like, I, knows what to do with the basketball. Like, he like he just plays basketball so well. I, yeah. No, I'm, I know I'm about to make a he plays <laughs> basketball the right way joke. <laughs> Dick knows what to do. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> he just, like... His feel for the game is like really good. Yeah, yeah. I watching somebody, Kansas is so fun. Somebody tweeted this yesterday, uh, and they basically <laughs> said like, "I've watched a lot of Kansas basketball. I've never once seen a Kansas team get flustered. Like they may be getting mm-hmm. beat. You may make more shots than them, but they're going to play their game composed. And I mean, that's like Bill Self's the best active coach in basketball. Like I, I don't. What are you laughing about? Nothing. Just Bama. When Don Welch is on the court, Bama having a being in the 99th percentile in net rating, defensive rating, effective field goal percentage, and 96. Is that true? In 96 wow. in offensive <laughs> That's crazy. When Tom Welch is on the court. That that's to, uh, that's a team fair, stat. That, it is a team. <laughs> that's a team stat. To, to be fair, sample size is probably helping on small, that. It's 151 small. minutes. Okay, 151 minutes out of. It's not a lot of minutes. With him off. For a comparison, there's 1,034 minutes with him <laughs> off of the court. Okay. But, but. That's 10%. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, 
Tom's been very. Tom is good. Like the team's good when Tom is on the court. Yeah. We're not claiming to be scouts. Don't flame us for our NBA draft takes. No. Yeah, I. <laughs> Hunter Cruz. Except, please don't. Except Jacob saying he wouldn't draft Wimby. You can flame him for that take all you want. I, I, I will stand by that. In, <laughs> in five years, we will have a conversation, and I think minimum three players. You can't not draft Wimby. I, all I'm saying is that <laughs> no. Listen, <laughs> listen to me. I, I'm. He is a great player, great athlete. But if you're the GM who gets the number one pick mm-hmm. and you say, I don't know about him and I'm not completely sold, and then in a year from now you have Scoot Henderson and the team behind you took Wimby and he's fallen apart or like disappointed, whatever, you're going to be more right than just taking Wimby. But if the team behind you is right and, and, if and he's like the second coming of... No, I, Basketball what if you take Jesus. Henderson and his size is, which has been it's, a big point of emphasis for some scouts. What if his size is like the if, I, if you pass if you think. pass on Wimby and he becomes seven four Michael Jordan, you're out of a job. You are, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but if also if you draft him and he falls apart at the first, I actually think first. you get a benefit of the doubt if he falls apart because he's like he's seen as such a can't miss that if he sucks, it's like oh well, you I, have to draft. I, I I'm. And this if I'm trying a GM, to big brain I'm it. probably still taking Wimby. Okay. I was going to say, as long as you know say that, no team with the first pick is not going to take Wimby. No. Yeah, no, absolutely. True. Absolutely. I'm just going to say, like, I think <laughs> two to three players from this draft will have a better NBA career than Wimby Austin. You think Brandon Miller is one of them? I, I hope Maybe. so. I, I think he Maybe certainly so. can be. I hope so. But There's your four minutes of Victor Wimbanyama takes from... Yeah, I'd nobody asked. I'm not sold. Nobody asked for. What else were we talking about? Nick Smith is really good. Yes. Um, he shoots the ball better than I thought, mm-hmm. or at least he did. He's got a nice looking jump shot. Yeah. Um, really good mid range. Anthony Black does not have a good looking jump shot. No, he doesn't. Um, I don't know why Arkansas didn't play Jalen Graham more. He was really good in the first meeting, and that that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Because he was really good in the Kentucky game, if I remember correctly. Jalen Graham was. Um, and then he ended up, like, he cooked Alabama in Fayetteville. Yeah. And I didn't really see him play much. He played a couple minutes in the first half, and then he came in in the second half once Anthony Black fouled out. And so, like, Muss would rather play the Mitchell Twins than Jalen Graham? That's a decision. It's got to be something, like... The Mitchell just, Twins were bad. They're they're not good. Like, I... In general, I don't think they've showed up in big games. Like I've, I've just not been super impressed. I think kind of Arkansas Twitter fan reaction has felt pretty similarly. Um, I think what Mackay Mitchell normally starts for them, and Mikel comes off the bench. Yeah, I, I think Mackay is. I think Mackay is better than Mikel, but I, I just don't think they're they're world beaters or anything like that. They're just like painfully average big men. Yeah. I, I think you can make them into a traffic cone really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky Council was good. Yeah, I He is good. A lot of free throws. A lot of free throws. 10 of 14. Mm-hmm. He was 5 of 9 from the field, though. He was. Ricky Council was fine, but just got to the line a lot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Arkansas is a dangerous team when you can bring the third leading scorer in the SEC off the bench. Absolutely. That's dangerous. And at one time on the floor, like they were having... Normally, any three of Anthony Black, Debo Davis, Nick Smith, and Ricky Council, and they were all, like, minus Anthony Black, but three of the four were on. If you're Arkansas, would you 
keep bringing Council off the bench, or would you like let Nick Smith be the lead guard and like bring Anthony Black off the bench and start Council? Just based on this, I mean, I, I'd probably keep playing Smith. I mean, wouldn't you? Well, I'd keep Smith regardless. I'm saying, yeah. would you oh. start Council or Anthony Black? Oh, gosh, yeah. I, mean, I was totally in the <laughs> I'd probably... I'd play Council over Black. I think I would, too. Because, like, think about if you could bring Black off the bench as a as a ball guard, yeah. and you just let, like, Nick Smith be the ball guard on in your starting five. Dude. Or you could bench Jordan Walsh. But also his length is is helpful. He's so helpful on defense, yeah. and he is worthless on offense. Like, I, he does... What does he average? Even then, I... I'm sorry. I was watching Jordan Walsh. I didn't think he was that effective on defense. Yeah, personally. he's fine. I, he was all right. He has the he tool. Okay. He should be a he good defender. He has the length to be like a really he, good defender. He looks like he's supposed to be a I good defender. I just don't think he's all there yet, and he's a freshman, too. But... He'll come back. Yeah, yeah he's... Them. ESPN had him at, like, 55. Or he'll portal... But I don't see that. I, I think he'll probably stay. Yeah. I would think they would. I mean, just the sheer amount of, like, talent that was in this game, too. I mean, I th- oh, yeah. we talked about it. I mean, there's, let's see, Clowney is going to be a first-round pick. Bradley will, will mm, you think you don't think Clowney will? Uh, Jacob made a face. I, I, I don't think Clowney will be a first-round pick. I, not this year. Not this year? I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets pre-drafted because I know next year's draft class is not supposed to be great. I, like, I would love to see yeah. him get a bag. I'd also love to see him stay here. But, but I... There's Miller, Bradley, and then you have Walsh is going to get drafted, Black's going to get drafted high, Smith is going to get drafted high. Ricky Council has second round buzz some. So Ricky Council could be a late first round swing from like a like a contender. Yeah, yeah. That wants like a guy they can bring off the bench to score. Yep. Like you could have that. Um, I think with the Clowney draft thing, he hasn't shot the ball well enough lately. Yeah. Like he he had that. Big stretch whenever he was jumping to like the mid teens in in mock drafts, and since then his shooting has like tanked. I like I think he's the 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 question is how much can his stock rise between this year and another year back? Yeah. Um. Then he's gonna he's gonna enter the draft and he's gonna go through the pre draft process. If he if he decides to stay next year is a very very weak draft class. He could be a mid first round pick next year. He could. Pretty. Not gonna say easily, but if he does what he can and improves upon it, mm-hmm. he'll be a mid first, potentially late lottery guy. Yeah, I would think. I don't disagree. Yeah. So it's, it's a weak class. I it's up to him shoot. what he what he would want to do in that situation. Um, I think if he gets a first round promise, he's gonna leave. Yeah, as he should too. In that point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally understandable. But it. it I think at this point, he his play hasn't been as eye popping as it was towards the beginning of the season. I'm looking at his game log. He had he had that huge stretch that was like from the South Dakota State game to like Mississippi State where he was like 22, 16, 11, 9, 12, 10. Um, then he had 15 against Arkansas. But like since then, he had 17 against Missouri. Hasn't broken 15 since then. A lot of single-digit games lately. He's had a good rebounding numbers. Um, hasn't shot the ball well, really, at all. No. So, and then he, he we, we remember that streak where he missed, like, 21 straight threes. And then made two in a row, and then it's kind of, eh, it's been it's, it's been, been fine. Eh. He hasn't, sh- he's shot two for four in a couple games. Yeah. But never better than that. Yeah. So, um, 
A little bit of foul trouble, too, in that stretch. But Yeah, I'm not sure about NBA. Obviously, we'll see. Yeah, would, would be very happy for him if he gets a worthy draft placement and would be very happy for him to come back and develop another year. Like, yeah. de- develop shot and just get a little bit more comfortable like handling the ball, I think would be good for him. Yeah, I mean, either way, that's um, if you're Alabama, you're either getting a guy, a really talented guy back, or you're showing other recruits that, hey, we can put forwards and bigs into the NBA too, not just guards. Yeah. Guys like Herb Jones who are you know, kind of undersized forwards a little bit. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, to move on a little bit, there's a big game on Wednesday. Some would say. The Iron Bowl of Basketball. The I-Bob, I-Bob round two. Part two. Um, a lot is happening on Wednesday. Alabama can sweep Auburn. Um, Alabama can go 15-0 at home. Perfect home undefeated record. Um, Alabama also has already clinched a share of the SEC regular season title. Can win it outright with a win Thanks to Mississippi State beating Texas A&M on Saturday. The Bulldogs. Thank you, Chris so, Jans. thank you, Chris Jans. So, you could see Alabama sweep Auburn and cut down the nets and drop some confetti for winning the SEC regular season championship on Wednesday. Crowd should be great. Um, crimson, crimson out, right? Crimson, crimson out. out. It is a crimson out. Wear crimson. Yep. Um, should be easy. Auburn looked terrible. On Saturday. Um, They have also lost seven of their last ten games. Um, With those three wins, make sure that we do not miss this, being Georgia, Georgia, Missouri, and Ole Miss at home. All in the jungle, right? Yeah, all all three wins at home. So that's not good. Losing seven of ten is not good. You think being down by 40 versus Kentucky is good? I don't think that's good either. I can't say it would be fun. I I do think Dylan Cardwell had a lot of fun when he uh, got that dunk on the Kentucky walk-on and screamed as he ran back, cutting the lead to 35. Not to be fair, he did go coast-to-coast. Coast. He did nice. go coast-to-coast. Coast. It was kind of nice. He, it was a wide-open dunk, and then he comes down, Dylan Cardwell, massive dunk to cut the lead to 35. Um, yeah. I just it's think like that lead. You, it's like that post you see on Twitter where it's, it's, like, it's like Chris, Chris Paul cuts the lead to forty. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it was like that, and I just I just think letting out a very loud scream after a dunk while you're down thirty five is a choice. I, I just it's think it's, it's embarrassing. It is. I, I, it's a thing that you can do if you want to stand by. It, He's having fun. Good it. for him. KD just made the layup. He just took his layup and went. Um, uh, but that eight zero run from Auburn was good to keep that from being, I believe, the worst SEC loss of the Pearl era. I, I believe... Uh, they took some bad ones early, so that would be something. Yeah, I some Auburn journalist posted that stat. Uh, I, the, I believe I saw it there, and I have not verified. It was but probably like, was it Ferguson? It was, it was Hokinson. Hokinson? So, okay. I You said journalist. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it. I um, the the thing with this Auburn team that that people are overlooking is yes, they're playing terrible, but they're desperate because they're now inching closer and closer towards the bubble. They're like, Lenardi has a new bracket out, right? I wouldn't say they're closer towards the bubble. They are on. The are they on it? They're firmly on the bubble. Right they're now. not on Lenardi's. I've seen them. Really? So in bracket matrix, <laughs> ninety of ninety four brackets have them. In, in. The, in the tournament. Okay, so With, four have them out. I, I think my 
my stance was if they would have lost to Missouri at home or if they would have lost to Ole Miss. Like they they'd are, be cooked if they lost to Ole Miss. My yeah, like they are probably like they're on the last four in if that happened. But with those two wins, like I think they're probably comfortably in now. If they lose the next two, if they if Wednesday goes as traditional home games this year have gone, they're like they're in trouble because their metrics are saving them right now. Like they are thirty, I think thirty fourth in net, and they are like 29th in Ken Palm. So like those things have value. Like they have because they've won the games, they've won well, like, right for the most part. But if they fa- like take a big loss in efficiency to us, and then if Tennessee, if they don't beat Tennessee at all. They they have to beat Tennessee to avoid a terribly stressful uh, selection show watch party, um, like like one that that would parallel to the um, Avery Johnson era Alabama selection show watch parties. Yep. Not enjoyable times. What's the farthest Auburn can fall in terms of seeding? Uh, they can, I believe their floor is the eight. Eight. Because Mississippi State is seven and nine, Auburn is nine and seven, Mississippi State goes two and oh, Auburn goes oh and two, they're nine and nine, and Auburn would have the head to head. Jacob and I sat down actually, yeah. like doing the math on all of these different scenarios, trying to figure out how Alabama can avoid Arkansas in the tournament. Um, and like the we're saying hypothetically Alabama gets the one seed, mm-hmm. and so seeing if Arkansas can get out of that eight nine slot, um, so Alabama wouldn't have to play them on Friday if they were to win that game on Thursday, right? In the SEC tournament. So the answer that we came up with was basically, regardless of all of the other situations, Auburn needs to lose out. Auburn needs to go zero and two this week, and Arkansas needs to go two and zero. So Arkansas needs to beat Tennessee and Knoxville and beat Kentucky and Fayetteville. Which they've already beat Kentucky by like 15. I think they're going to beat Kentucky and Fayetteville. It's the Knoxville trip that's going to be difficult. Yeah. And then Auburn needs to lose to Alabama in Tuscaloosa and lose to Tennessee at home in Auburn. And that would make Arkansas either the 6 or the 7 and would make Auburn the 8. Because then um, the the issue with Arkansas and Alabama trying to avoid them is that Arkansas has a lot doesn't have the tiebreaker with like any of the teams it can tie with if it yep. were to go ten and eight because it lost to Vandy, right. lost to Auburn. Um, who was the other team that we were looking at? Uh, it was uh, not Missouri. Not Missouri. Is Mississippi State? Yeah, lost to Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, so like all of these teams. It's yeah. it's lost. Arkansas is lost too, so they wouldn't have any tiebreakers anywhere to be able to jump right. further. Uh, interesting thing: Missouri and Arkansas split, correct? Yes. Okay. So, currently, of teams solely like surely in the SEC or in the NCAA tournament from the SEC, Arkansas has three wins over Kentucky, Texas A and M, Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Everything else. What does Alabama have? Uh, a win over Kentucky, a win over Missouri, a win over Auburn, two over Vanderbilt. Which are Vanderbilt's not. In Vanderbilt's NCAA not really. It's a top eight, and then two over Arkansas, two over Mississippi State, two over Mississippi seven. Okay. Yeah. So, states like on the bubble, but yeah, yeah I get you. Of of the top teams, so interest. Their their SEC record has been a little, I mean, which, bottom of the SEC sucks. Mm-hmm. So. When it comes to the actual game, um, 
Wendell Green's going to be good. Like he always is. Always is against Alabama. Um, he has been great lately, which is interesting. So um, he has not played super well lately. Um, let me. I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling up, up the road splits. I, I have. He Jacob did find out he is worse on the road, much worse on the road, significantly. Um, it's loading. Excel. Uh, if you if you want me to throw some numbers at you right here, um, his last three, his last three home games. Uh, 20, he went for 24 against Alabama. He went for 5 against Missouri, but that was a game that won by like 40 points. Right. And then he went for 23 against Ole Miss. Road games, he went for 9 against Tennessee, 20 against A&M, 5 against Vandy, 9 against Kentucky. And that's all, all of those losses, 3 of 12 against Kentucky, 2 of 14 against Vanderbilt, um, 8 of 18 against A&M, 2 of 10 against Tennessee, Two of ten against West Virginia. I'm trying to find the last time he shot over fifty percent on the road. Well, from three on the road this year in SEC play, he is shooting seventeen percent. Really? At home in SEC play, he's shooting thirty-eight percent. That's a massive difference. That's tw- that's like Matthew will get this reference. That's like freshman year John Petty road <laughs> home shooting splits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I mean, whenever he takes six a game, is that fair? Six threes a game? We can find the actual number. He shoots 4.8 a game. That's 4.4, excuse me. 4.4 a game. So, yeah, I mean, that's a three less a game. Yeah, that's significant. Home. Yeah. Uh, the points difference on the year across all play he average is 16 points at home and 11 away, which is, again, five-point split. That's that's sizable. Uh, For what it's worth, he was great against Alabama and Coleman last year. He was. That is true. Uh, uh, he has been great in every IBOB he's played in. Yeah. All three. So he may – he very well may get up, but Road Wendell is – It's apparently a thing. Real. The numbers say. Um, I don't – think, and y'all can correct me if you think differently, but I don't think Auburn is going to have the same energy that they had in Neville the first time, and I don't think, like, I think because of that, they're not going to be able to guard as well as they did. Well, that's true. At the same time, though, they're going to be playing with a sense of urgency because they know that it's now or never for them in terms of their... NCAA hopes and not wanting to botch those. You see, I hear you, but they were also in that same situation Saturday, and they were down Still, by 40. That's fair. I, the thing, the like huge part is like <clears throat> I watched like Auburn quit Saturday. No, we I, did. I've never like I've rarely seen like a Bruce Pearl team like quit. They like, like rolled that. over. Did you watch the end? Or did you ever like go back and watch that game? Because I know I we were not. at Coleman. Wall. No, I didn't. In the second half. They were walking, and, like, Kentucky was, like, like Shibway would get an offensive rebound, and it would be, like, they'd just, like, softly swat at the ball. Right. While Shibway, like, went up for a dunk. And it was, like, it was, like, very visible that they were checked out because they were just getting demolished. Yeah. Which is not what you want to see in late February. I I was shocked to see... Kenny Reeves only made four threes. I could have sworn it was like at least fifteen. Like he, <laughs> he made everything. I mean, they Kentucky played awesome yesterday. 
but Auburn. That was also, yesterday. Yeah, that feels like so long. Is Kentucky ago. back? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Resounding yes. Like I, I will be. Ten, I think they're gonna stick as like a six or seven, in the NCAA tournament. They're beating a two. Like I, I they are. They they've looked great. Um, need obviously need to see that in the SEC tournament, but like. On my bracket list, like I, if Kentucky has a favorable draw, like I will have them at making a run. Yeah, that's fair. Or if they're like a six and they play like, who are the threes right now? Is Virginia still a three? Yes. They would mop the floor with Virginia. Yeah. Also, they're fraudulent. So. Yeah. Well, Virginia just has the most anemic offense. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I, I don't think Kentucky's not like foolproof. Like they can be beat. Yeah, and but they're playing good ball right now. They're, but they're playing good ball, and like I'm liking, liking what I'm seeing from the Cats. I, I like what I'm seeing from the Cats. But I, Bob, I, I just I think it's going to be a fun game. I know it's going to be a fun game in Pullman. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. Um, I think we're going to get up and be ready to play because, truthfully, like I, I think we're just going to punch up on them. Like, I, Dudes are going to be ready to go. Like I, This is... If the first meeting didn't show you appropriately, yeah. the Alabama players care about this rivalry. Yeah. And we, we have been in the depth about how good this rivalry is, especially in recent years with Oates and Pearl. Um, the, the players in this thing care about it. You, you can see that from JQ's tweets, Janai Broom's tweets, yes. uh, Katie Johnson's Instagram comments. They... Everybody's all in, and it's the Brandon like, the Miller's transfers like, into reactions. Yes. Like it, it's that they, they care. Everyone's gonna care, and that's gonna make it. That's gonna make the energy high. That's gonna make it really fun. I think, obviously, Alabama's better. Um, I think Alabama is gonna be eager to make like the last two games. They've looked slow coming out of the gate. Um, I think Alabama's going to be eager to make one last statement at home um, because obviously it's their last time in Coleman and the way that they've played in Coleman, they've made some pretty big statements. I think they're going to want to make another one, um, especially after the week that they had last week um, as they attempt to sort of drown out that outside noise and kind of try to put last week behind them. I think they're going to want to be ready and to make a statement. I think Alabama's going to win by double digits. I'm not going to like push it to 20 or anything like that, but I think it's going to be somewhere between 10 and 15, like a comfortable win. Yeah. I mean, Alabama with a chance to win a banner or hang a banner. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I just don't see Alabama coming out flat-footed in this one. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Like, I, I'm not to JQ expect to lose by 30. But if we beat them by 30, I would not be surprised either. Like, I, I think this team, we have the capability to, and if we come out fast, like you're saying, like, I, I think they might, like, Auburn might just kind of hang their heads and just take it. Yeah. Like, and, again, how many times do we see Bama having three straight games of poor shooting performances? So Not at, often. Like At some point. Uh, progression to the mean is. Uh, it's going to be sharp. Is, it's going to be due, awesome. Or were the last two games regression to the mean after Georgia? Uh, I don't know how all that. <laughs> it, it's what is the mean? Talk what is Alabama averaging? Us, man. Tell me Pull numbers, it man. Pull it up. Uh, <laughs> pulling up the game logs. That's the the big thing. Uh, let me go to Usher and stats. So 
we on the season we're shooting thirty five percent from three, which is like that's good. That's very good. It's, it's pretty good. It's one hundred fifty ninth. But a lot of teams shoot really well. I think if you shoot thirty five percent, like you're, you're if you shoot thirty eight percent, you're really good. But I think if you shoot thirty five percent as a team, that's solid. Absolutely. And when you're a team that shoots the volume that Alabama does, if you shoot that high volume and shoot thirty five percent, you're looking good. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, so there's been a few stretches this season where we've shot under thirty percent back to back to back. Uh, one of those stretches was at Vandy at Missouri. Mississippi State at home and then uh, at Oklahoma. Fair. Then we went three Bama shot under 30% from three at Missouri. 28%. Still one by 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. On the road. <laughs> yeah. we, we took Casually. Oh, all right. 10, 10 of 35. <laughs> um, then from there went 19 of 41, 13 of 29, 15 of 34 for 46, 45, and 44%. Then under 30%. And then Tennessee, we actually shot decently well and Georgia obviously just couldn't get well. shots off against Tennessee yeah so there's been one stretch where we've shot under 30% multiple games in a row and all of those were followed by sharp progression to the mean of makes so Alabama is due yeah, we literally have acquired <laughs> mathematical due okay you heard it here we're I, I, we're gonna make a lot of shots I, I just feel it also I just don't like especially in Coleman in that atmosphere I don't see Auburn's offense being much of a threat, There's especially with Road, yeah. the alleged Road Wendell. Yeah. Without him, that would have been in trouble in Auburn. It's like unstoppable force meets immovable object with Wendell Green in terms of Wendell Green versus Alabama or Wendell Green on the road. Yeah. <laughs> like something has to get. Also, Brandon. Jalen Williams is really good. He's probably going to be a problem again because Alabama is going to help off of him for some reason. That's Absolutely. inevitable. Alabama will have uh, over under two and a half turnovers on inbounds plays. Uh, I'm gonna take under. We I, we switched no we we switched in the second half and Brandon inbounded like put the ball in most of the time. It's crazy. Put tall people yeah. in to inbound it the ball works. and not what? midget Javon Quinterly. Like stop letting the small guy like throw the Are ball. You, in. you don't enjoy five seconds of Javon Quinterly like trying to find a pass but can't see and then throws off the guy's leg. I am saying I don't enjoy that. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying I enjoy it when the situation's fine. But I would like to see Brandon throw the ball in. Um, I like when the tall people can throw the ball in because they can see over the guy. It it works great. Especially when I don't know if Nados has drawn up like a different inbounds play all season except the one that got Dom the layup. Yeah. No, that was good. Because he it's the same set of screens. It's like if I I'm trying to remember correctly, um it's like Sears lines up on the on one block and then he like gets a screen across screen from the other block and then he gets another screen and goes out to the wing uh the corner but then they just switch it all and then they switch all the screens and then no one's open. Yeah. And then you just have to throw it up to somebody. Normally clowning over his head like this. He normally catches it. That was the Avery Johnson inbound special. Was the just post a guy up and throw it high. And then I got stolen a bunch. Tee it high, let it fly. Yeah. Yes, true. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to handle business against Auburn. And then hopefully the A&M game won't matter, although I think it will be... Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Um, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be tough. A&M's good. Um, Wade Taylor is a first-team All-SEC guy. He's been great. Um, what does Ken Palm have that game at? 
I believe it's us like minus five. Minus three. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Bama winning 77-74. Um, 62% chance of being A&M according to Kim Palm. If Alabama wins the title on Wednesday, the game doesn't matter. Like, rest everyone. Start start Adam Cottrell. The magic number's one. Uh, Ole Miss and Texas A&M play Tuesday night. So, in theory, like, if, if Ole Miss were to beat A&M, then it would already be clinched before we even tip off. You're right. Game. I don't know how much you want to look into that game after it being clinched as, like, obviously Alabama's going to want to win the game. No. They're, they're going to want to win it as, like, a momentum builder going into the tournament. Um, but it, it's going to be very tough. I almost wonder if A&M will feel more defeated if they can't win the title mm-hmm. off of it. Yeah, like if they can't get a share. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, no, like, exactly. Like, because the, they're they're locked in as the two. No one can. Yes. No one can. No they one can't. Can stop right. Yeah. So and going seventeen and one, it would would be insane. Who was the last team to go seventeen and one? Kentucky. If I'm going back in my mind, I would assume. If I if I'm going back in my mind, like last year, Auburn went fifteen and three, Bama went sixteen and two. Hold up. 2020 Kentucky went probably 14 and four. Um, All right. um, 2019 it was split between LSU and Kentucky. I think. 2018 was Auburn, but I think they were like 14 and four. Kentucky went 16 and two in, in 2017. Yeah, in 2016, 2017, um, 18 and 0 in 2014. Oh, that was the 38 and one team. Yes. So that would be the best. SEC record since that team. So it's like literally one of the best college basketball Which, teams ever. Speaking of um, winning in the 30s, if Alabama, you said it's sort of meaningless, but if Alabama beats A&M and then wins the SEC tournament, that's 30 wins before March Madness happens. Wow. So that does matter in that sense. That, that does matter, matter, yeah. Um, <coughs> 20, oh, another thing. If Alabama wins Wednesday, 26 wins matches the total of the 2021 team. Yeah. 2021 team went 26-7. and seven. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. obviously they had the shorter regular season, um, but still significant. So big. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we have official? I said double digits. What are y'all's score predictions? I'm not gonna go further than double digits. I I think in the we win by twenty to twenty five. Wow. Woo. I, I okay, Jacob. I just, I think like I know I said that against Arkansas and that was not correct. You're wrong. And I, I, I was wrong too. I, they just played better than I thought. <laughs> uh, I just got to give it to them. Uh, I normally, I rarely take us to lose because I, I rarely think that we will. Uh, but I, I think we win by 20 to 25 Wednesday, and we just have a lot of fun in Coleman for the last time this season. I will say Bama by 15. I think Auburn hangs around for a good bit. Um, I think second half, Bama just does what they did against Arkansas, turns up the intensity and just runs away with it. And so, yeah, no, no Nick Smith to make everything for no. the last five minutes. So that's nice. Yeah. So there you have it with our um, predictions. Um, it's a good episode. We've got um, what else? There's nothing else we need to. I don't like, think there's anything else. Add or address. no. Nothing else. So yeah, um, we will be back next week. For um to discuss the regular season finale, and we'll be previewing the SEC tournament, uh, which Matthew and I will both be at. Yes, sir. Uh, very excited for that. Um, Jacob soon will be going off to uh, New York yep. to uh, work for the PGA Championship. Yep. Um, it's very exciting for him. We will uh, still be having episodes after he yes. leaves. We're going to 
they use Zoom. technology. Yeah. It works. Uh, we'll, we'll have a Zoom. We'll still have episodes as March Madness goes on. Um, but that's going to, um, I think, be it for this episode. So uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.